This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. everybody welcome to tunnel vision not emergency one this week i'm your host ryan abraham joined by keely yore and shotgun spratling sorry started a couple minutes late had a little technical difficulties because you know that's what happens during uh 2020 everything's all messed up but we got it all fixed now it looks like we're full steam ahead got a few topics we want to talk about today uh one usc trojan has opted out for the 2020 season uh jay tufele the star defensive tackle we expect some more and we're also going to talk about the NCAA's ruling that came down this past week about uh, what the scholarship limits are going to be. Seniors won't count against the 85 roster limit and all that. We'll get into those details. And uh, also talking about this college football limbo where you still have the Pac-12, which looks like they're, they're ducks in a row. They're fine opting out of the season. The Big Ten, not so much. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And then the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are marching on despite weird things going on on all the campuses, but you know, we'll see what happens. We'll talk about that. This is the limbo period where we don't know if they're going to cancel their seasons or if they just roll on. And then the PAC 12 and the big 10 are just sitting on the sidelines. And of course, anything else you guys want to talk about, uh, we'll bring up today. Also, we got, we have a little golf news we'll talk about in a bit, but I want to welcome in our uh, guest, Keely, your, how are you Keely? Hello. Hello. Doing well. I told you on the Parasol podcast this week, Grime, this is the week where it kind of sunk in. Yesterday was the fan or last week was the fanfare of things are breaking and there's not going to be a season. And now it's like, womp, womp, no season. Yeah. So it, it sunk in this week. Yeah. People are like, womp, womp. And they're like, what are you doing your show on? Like, well, there's still stuff we got to talk about. I mean, there's yeah, things are always. going on. Uh, the show must go on, uh, season or not. Always. Uh, we got Shotgun who has not shaved yet. Uh, Shotgun, how you doing, man? You make it sound like a, that there's a you know a, a deadline for me to shave, like that there's going to be a college football season that I should be covering or something. So I would need to to be uh, you know looking my best, but that's What's not the case. Well, you're on a live video show. You could look your best for that. If you want. <laughs> this is this is the best you get during quarantine. True. The best, the best that it is. Uh, no, it's just, you know just trying to figure out what is going to happen now and you know how things will progress. You know to how. If there is, if there are three Power Five leagues that do play, how does that affect you know national championships and All American teams and preseason polls and all that? It's a it's a weird time right now, so we're just seeing what what's kind of going to kind of play out, and uh, you know that includes what's going to play out with the USC players and what they can do during this uh, this fall as well. 
Yeah. So just so everyone knows, uh, if you're new to our show or if you're, you're a regular, we are broadcasting live on three different platforms. You might be watching this on a replay, but YouTube, Facebook, uh, and Periscope. Uh, you can put questions or comments in any of those platforms. I won't be able to check Periscope from here, but I should be able to pull up your YouTube and Facebook questions. And if anything good, I'll try to put it up on the screen and uh, we'll do our best to answer at the end. Uh, Shotgun usually grabs a bunch of them. We'll rapid fire some of those as well and do our best to answer those. You can also call in at 5124-TUNNEL if you want to be uh, a live caller and come on the show. I got that pulled up here too. No intern here helping me today. So we're going to just, this will be all uh, solo stuff, but it should be fun. But so I mentioned right off the top, we have to mention uh, the golf a little bit. So I, I'm, you know, I'm a golf fan. I like watching and like usually put turn on the golf channel. You'll see the early part of the whatever PGA tournament is going on this week. It was the Northern Trust, and uh, but it was it was early, and I didn't realize. But the the women's British Open, the women's Open, uh, the Open Championship. It's you know, the 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 AIG, I believe. Uh, women's Open. It's the British Open. It's uh, one of the five majors on the LPGA Tour. Uh, was on, and someone named Sophia Popoff was leading the field and then you start hearing more about her story and i thought i didn't wasn't sure but then i saw her caddy which is her boyfriend they listed her as a german but she was born in the united states uh went to usc she had a usc towel on her bag and i'm like is that a usc towel which usually you don't see like the pros kind of wearing like the college stuff but it turns out she was not a regular on the lpga tour she had one earlier top 10 on the lpga tour and because of the COVID stuff, there's less people participating in the events. And apparently they, that was enough to qualify her for the open. She was playing in like the cactus tour in Phoenix, like last week or in Arizona or whatever last week. Usually you're not doing that. You're playing like a links course over in Scotland, but that's what she was doing. Came out and did one practice round out in, uh, in Scotland. I think of that Royal Troon and she ends up winning the thing. She came in with a lead today. I think bogeyed the first hole and then birdied the next couple. Uh, but just a crazy Cinderella story. Her, uh, you know, she almost quit golf last year. She was caddying for a friend and, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in career earnings. And today she won, uh, $675,000 and wow. now can be on the tour for the other time. So I don't know. I'll put up the, the picture, but congratulations, uh, to Sophia Popoff. Uh, she was an all American at USC, uh, for a couple of years and they won the national championship in, uh, 2013. So I thought I would just start the show with that. Cause that was kind of cool. It's the first, <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys know this. The first time, uh, Keely's in the Matrix again. The oh, first sorry. time a USC uh, golfer won a major, a, a women's golfer won a major. So I don't know if a man, I'm not sure if any of the men did. Uh, but yeah, so that was pretty cool. I mean, you, you didn't probably watch the shotgun, but. I did not watch it. However, I did see the news and, and had read up on it, saw that she was leading yesterday um, and had a chance for it going into the day. I didn't get up early enough to see uh, that, that it was it was taking place this morning. Uh, but congratulations to Sophia. You know, it's always great to see USC student athletes in all the sports performing well. Ryan doesn't pay attention to any of the other sports, but then suddenly there's golf and Ryan's like, wait a second, there's a USC person. Now it's, now it's news. But if it would have been women's soccer and the fact that, you know, US, USC had a couple of players in uh, the U.S. women's leagues uh, final as well, or, you know, any of the other sports, Ryan's not paying attention to them. I was shocked by that. Ryan was, I was like, why is he tweeting about a different sport? This is, not, this is new for you, Ryan. Hey, you know, it's cool. Like, if, yeah, I mean, I like golf, but you know, if they were going to win a championship like that, a major, I mean, that's crazy. Like just to go from, you're not even regular on, you know, it's like when those, you hear like golf tournaments, some guy gets an exemption or 
they just get in, they have to play their way into the field and then they end up winning or something like that. It was, it's uh pretty crazy. And she was just like ice in her veins. Like it was a easier conditions today, I guess in the first couple of days, it was really windy, but she had the lead and there was, you know, the bunch of people, a couple of people chasing her and she just was relentless, like rolling in birdies and stuff. And uh, so congratulations uh, to her. That's a uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, all right. We're mostly football. So we're going to get back to uh, football stuff. Um, we, part of the limbo time is going to be, and there goes Keely again. Uh, part of the limbo time is not knowing what these players are, are going to do. And the first, uh, USC Jordan to announce that he was going to opt out is, uh, Jay Tefelli. And, uh, certainly, I mean, you can argue one of the best players on the team. He was, you show him, uh, scoring a touchdown in our intro there. Uh, so, um, I don't know, Shotgun, we'll start with you since uh, I can see you. What's, uh, <laughs> what, what are your initial thoughts on Jay Tefele? Yeah, I wrote about, you know, the, the five or six players that would have a, a you know, a spring season decision to make, um, going in. And, and Jay Tefele was one of those guys. You know, there was some potential for him to potentially push his stock up farther. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of him being in the late first round, maybe second round in some mock drafts and stuff. But there's still some question marks about him, and the consistency is the biggest thing. And if he came out and had a monster junior season, maybe he pushes himself up a little bit further. But he's got the potential. And that's where you look at a guy like Austin Jackson was very similar. You know, he, he had the potential. He hadn't put it together all, you know, consistently and just been a dominant force at USC. But the potential with the athleticism that he has – pushed him into the first round. And that's something you can see with Jay Tefele as well. If he if he has the potential he's shown, he has the burst coming off the, the line of scrimmage, he has the opportunity uh, with a good combine, you know, those workouts and stuff to show if he can show that he's, he's a true athlete and at the size that he can play at anywhere from, you know, 305 to 325, depending on how his weight fluctuates, you know, then he can push himself into that that first round discussion there, but it's going to take that. Whereas if he would have shown it during the season, maybe he could have, you know, pushed himself up there a little bit quicker. Yeah, what do you what do you think, Keely, with uh, with uh, Jay Tufeli opting out? Well, I don't know. In the Matrix, don't want to. Uh, yeah, now that you're not it. the Matrix. <laughs> I mean, it was expected to a certain extent. I know in 2019, the coaches had to kind of convince him to come back for what was supposed to be this season. So that it makes sense that he. Oh, here you go. <laughs> it makes sense that he was one of the the guys to opt out. I was surprised that he's the first Trojan to opt out, but um, it makes sense now. I think we just have to watch for other USC Trojans that do have a decision to make. And if you check it out, Chuck and I actually made. Uh, a great article, five USC players that need to make a decision. So check that out because you can see who else is we're watching going forward. Yeah. And uh, this Keely matrix Sorry. is up there. That's okay. I mean, you know, it's only been happening for weeks. What are we going to do here? Uh, so it's this COVID stuff. We just don't know what, you know, doing this remotely. Hopefully we can get you guys in the studio and that will be uh, a little bit better. Um, so how this is going to work now uh, that we did hear from the NCAA and, uh, I'll kind of just go over briefly what's going to happen with that and uh, get your thoughts on it. So um, they will be able any any player can uh, opt out and you know keep their scholarship. We knew you know those kind of things were happening, but any senior, even a senior, so in a senior in the Pac-12, uh, you know if this is your last year of eligibility in the Big Ten that aren't going to play in the fall, or even if you're in the SEC, the ACC, or the Big Twelve, or any of the colleges that are. Uh, the conferences that are participating in the fall, any senior can come back and play again next year. So 
that's kind of interesting. So if you want to stick around for your senior season, even if you're like a bench warmer for Vanderbilt or something and you play in the fall or, you know, the, your team plays in the fall, you can come back and get that extra year of eligibility. And any one of those seniors will not count towards the 85 scholarship limit uh, that, you know, the, the schools have to adhere to. So um, right now for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, it's essentially like you have two freshman classes coming in because the class, the guys that came in in June, you're moving forward. And now uh, they're not going to be able to play their freshman season. So, but they, you know, they, that's not going to start the clock there. Everyone's going to get that eligibility, but you're really going to have two years, like two years of a freshman class. So it's going to be roster management issues for all these coaches for the next, you know, few years, I think for sure. Um, USC had a smaller class in, uh, uh, for the 2020, and, and maybe that helps them out a little bit. But going forward, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how you manage all of that because it's going to be like two freshman classes in a row, and you might have these extra guys, seniors on the roster, even though they don't count. It's still going to be, you know, one of these weird situations. And I'll uh, pull up the scholarship chart. You can check that up on uscfootball.com. But we're going to have to advance it a year because the 2020 season didn't happen. So we're really going to have to move it forward and then see who's going to be eligible and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be weird, like, managing all this stuff. And maybe, Shotgun, get your thoughts first. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and, you know, the NCAA said everyone is going to, regardless of how much they play this year, you know, whether it's a game, no games, you know, someone gets the, you know, the SEC gets their entire schedule in, everyone's going to get an extra year of eligibility. So the crunch is going to come when you start, you know, trying to figure out what the the max is going to be next year and the years beyond that. So they said that, you know, that they're going to expand the roster limits next year. Uh, so basically, I, I think what's going to happen, I don't know if it's been, uh, you know, official, uh, the NCAA has made it official, but that they're going to allow those seniors, however many seniors you have, that's many how many extra spots you'll get next year. Now you're going to do that the next year after that as well with how many seniors you have, you know, how is it going to work? You know, when you get to year two through through five, now that you're adding, you know, six classes in a five-year window rather than five classes. Uh, so I think that's going to be the big question and something that may not really be known right now by the NCA, but it seems like they're going to allow, you know, any any number of seniors, however many seniors you have, you can expand the roster by that many. And that that keeps you Title IX compliant. Now, that's that's one of the things that w- is – that people weren't considering, I don't think as much is that if football adds, however many seniors, you know, then, you know, if you expand the roster for football and say, Hey, well, you can have a hundred next year. Well, if you do it that way, if you say, set a certain amount, then you have to say, okay, well, we have to add 15 extra scholarships for females. Are there going to be enough on, you know, in the other fall sports that you have, but if you do it by, Hey, we're allowing all seniors and you can add by that many, I think that makes it more title nine compliant. So I think that's part of the reason why that's what they're looking at doing it right there. Yeah. The first person I talked to about this was, I said, Hey, can they expand the 85? And they're like title nine, no way, but this is a way to sort of get around that, I guess. Uh, but it would be a lot more complicated if you said, well, you play in the fall or you play at least six games in the fall. Those seniors have to move on. They're basically giving those other conferences now, like, you know, you get a free extra class. So there's like free bodies on your roster now that, uh, you know, that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten won't, won't, you know, won't really have. They, at least get, those guys won't have that extra season involved. For me, there's, sorry, there's just a more, I think it opens up some more questions than answers them. Like it, it, it satisfies the initial question that we had is how is this going to work? But now 
how is it going to work when you have more players, a bigger scholarship uh, budget to go off of? And then what do you do with the players who say the, the SEC and ACC play? Are those now, do they, are they now redshirt juniors? Do they move up a year? But then if you're in the Pac-12 and Big Ten, do you not? I know it's like a little minutia thing, but how do you go about naming everyone? Does this season just not count? What do you do with scholarship limits? It's, it's or paying for those scholarships. Do you see different roster sizes based on how big uh, uh, revenue is for a certain school? It's, there's a lot of questions going forward. Yeah, certainly uh, a lot of questions. We don't have we don't have as many answers, but we hopefully we're going to have some soon. But man, it's just uh, it's crazy as far as like these rosters go. How do you manage it? It's going to be something else that these coaches are going to have to deal with. But I think now you have to see the shakeout, right? Like. We need mm-hmm. to see who else, for at least for USC purposes, who else are going to be on the roster, who's going to be moving on, things like that. So um, I don't know. Is there any – do you expect – do you guys expect – we'll start with you, Shotgun. Expect to see anyone kind of come off the board again and, and opt out anytime soon? I mean, you can look at the article I did and it kind of discusses why guys would or why wouldn't they, what they can still prove and potentially improve on their draft stock. Uh, by playing a season, even if it's a spring season. Um, and the, the one in that article that, you know, just seems like a no-brainer to, to opt out is Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, he's already proven what he can do in the slot. Now, the one thing he can do differently is show that he could be an outside receiver too and, and play more at there if they were to move him around a little bit more. So there's an option there of something that he could still prove. But I think he's shown so much already in his first two years, and he takes a lot of hits. You know, he, he's got, you know, he's in the middle of the field a lot. He takes some big hits. He's been banged up a lot of times. So I think it, he's probably a guy that you're looking at moving on. You look at basically anyone who got a draft grade last year, too. So anybody that was eligible last year and decided to come back. So that's Elijah Vera Tucker. That's Tyler Vaughns. That was Jay Tefele. Those guys that got those draft grades and thought about it. Those are the guys you're looking at like, okay, how much more can you prove this season? And, you know, will you have a season? A lot of yeah. question marks there. Um, you know, will guys graduate in December? If you're done with your classwork in December, you might just be like, I'm done with school. I've got my degree now. Uh, uh, let's move on. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker already has graduated. So of, of the, that group I'm talking about, but that's something that will be considered. And then also, Maybe somebody tries to do a little bit of a hybrid mode. You know, if, if the, the conference, if they're going to have a 10-game schedule, maybe you play five games. You get to that bye week and you say, I've got enough tape. Sorry, guys, I'm out. And <laughs> wow. now that's, that's going to hurt, you know, but maybe it also says, maybe the co- you tell the coaches, this is what I'm thinking. They're like, yeah, let's do that because now I can, I can move these freshmen in or you know, I can move some younger guys in and get them a little bit more experience before an older guy takes off. So maybe that's something the coaches would actually be, you know, interested in. So there's some different, uh, you know, ways to go about it. You know, the the easiest and most likely thing is going to be a clean break. Guys going to say, "I'm done. I want to start training for the NFL draft, and I don't want to do I don't want to do classes in the spring." That's going to be a big part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been told that JT Philly is not the only Trojan to opt out, so just keep your ears open on that, I guess. But I mean, it's it's difficult situation because the spring season or the proposed spring season is not even a guarantee. So you're potentially looking at sitting out a whole year plus of playing in contact football. And if you think you're going to regress doing that, then maybe you're better off on your own schedule, doing your own training. And and like Shotgun said, someone like Alan Ross St. Brown, who is more set up to train on his own, 
uh, and who has proven a lot. He's someone who, you know, it makes sense. But whereas maybe a Talano Hufunga, maybe you need more time with contact football, seeing that you can go through a whole season playing without getting injured, really raising that that stock. But it, it'll be interesting because nothing's really guaranteed right now. So, and, and so if it doesn't look like it's getting better for spring football, does that uh, put the impetus on other players to leave? We'll yeah. see. And I think, too, we have to look at right now, the other conferences are going ahead and playing. Now, if they end up having to cancel the season for some reason or postpone it till the spring, that could change people's opinion on what they need to do um, going forward. So curious to see how that plays out. If if the SEC and the, and the ACC and the Big 12 follow through and end up going on with the season, then you're like, okay, well, I think that gives these players more of an option. But if they don't, if they delay things, I think that gives the NFL more of an opportunity to delay their schedule. And maybe you have a later combine to allow for some teams to, you know, seniors or whatever to participate uh, in some sort of spring football and maybe delay the NFL draft. I don't think the NFL is going to do it as a favor to college football. I think they would only do it if it was a situation where there wasn't any college football in the fall. All this tape is gone. And now they would like an opportunity if there's really going to be a spring season they would like more opportunity to to evaluate these players. So I think there's a better chance of that happening if everyone else cancels too. As of right now, that hasn't happened. And then you might, as a senior, know that, well, I could still play some games in the spring, get a little extra tape, and it would help a guy like a Jay Tefele, uh, but maybe, you know, a guy like Talanoa Funga, any of those guys I think would help them. Um, you know, and Amon Ross St. Brown, do you really need that? Probably not. But if some of those borderline guys, I think if you did know that the NFL was going to delay their uh, schedule a little bit because all of college football was delayed, that would make their decision a little bit easier. But if the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 you know, plow forward, I don't see the NFL making any changes. And then it's maybe some of these other players are more likely to opt out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely, you know, a part of it is going to be what does the NFL decide to do and, and – you know, could that adjust what you want to do in the spring if you're a Big Ten or a Pac-12 player? Because if the if the NFL says that they're keeping their schedule where it is, and you know the combine is going to be in uh, February and the draft is going to be in April, and you're supposed to play you know three or four games before that combine, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to be training and, and you know setting yourself up for that opportunity for that job interview with the NFL teams. But if the NFL says you know what? And I kind of looked at this and I argued with a couple people on on the on the P about this about what they could potentially do. If everyone shuts down, the NFL I think will definitely move all that stuff back. Uh, you can have the draft, you know, even two months later if you really wanted to. You can have it in June. You can have it early July uh, because basically you're only going to lose a rookie mini camp then. Now, do they want to lose those things? No, but I think they would much rather you know, have more tape on players and feel more assured in their draft selections than having one extra rookie minicamp or two extra rookie minicamps before training camp starts in, uh, in, in late July, early August for the NFL team. So if the NFL does that, then I think that changes, you know, is a, is a big factor in changing the decision of some of those players. Yeah. How much, if you move the draft though, does that impact NFL free agency. I feel like it's a domino. Do you the, the thing though is NFL free agency already starts before the draft start begins. So if NFL free agency started right after the draft, then I would definitely agree with that. But I, I think because you're already kind of split where the free agency starts early and then you have the draft and you kind of 
free agency continues on, I think that you would just make an adjustment there. I mean, just like they're doing in other leagues now where they change the trade deadlines this year because of, you know, the COVID things. I think, I think that it wouldn't be make as big of an impact because there's already free agency beginning before the draft. Yeah. We had a uh, Facebook question from Steve. Uh, Has the PAC 12 broken its contract by not offering a season? Would or could this allow schools to go elsewhere? Um, now, Steve, people I've talked to, it doesn't sound like, you know, not having a season was something that could, you know, any schools could opt out of the, the, the TV deal, the contract that essentially goes till 2024. And if there was going to be some sort of conference movement for any of the schools, that would be the time, uh, my understanding, uh, that that could happen. So I don't think that will be. I know that when the PAC 12 was floating the idea of selling some equity, one of the things that was coming up was you, if you were going to buy equity in the conference, you wanted to make sure these schools were all locked in long term. And apparently, according to reports, I think John Wilner was the one to report it. Um, USC and UCLA opted out. They were like, no, we're not, we're not signing up for long term, which is smart. Like they, they have a lot of cachet as far as like television revenue. They don't want to like extend the deal they have now. I think the LA schools know that they can get a better, you know, a bigger piece of this pie, at least maybe get their tier three rights. So they were not willing to sign that off, which is smart. Um, but yeah, my understanding doesn't cancel anything, but 2024 would be the first time. If you're like the USC should go independent or they should go to the big 12 or whatever it is, uh, that wouldn't happen until 2024. My understanding. Do you guys have any? I, I mean, I don't think that, you know, that it's going to happen. I, I think that the logistics of it, I don't know the actual contract language, but I think the logistics of it, makes it that's not gonna happen that's why basically you know when nebraska was saying well maybe we'll look for this and we'll do this it was basically shut down by i think by kevin warren the you know the big 10 commissioner but uh maybe it's someone else but they were basically like yeah that's not gonna happen maybe it was even the president of nebraska because they they know the contract uh information there like yeah that's not gonna happen we're staying in the big 10 there's a lot more money here than there is going to the big 12 or any any kind of move like that or going independent uh or trying to do that and all the contract uh, information there. So I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we have another one. Let me pull this one up from, uh, Mark as it's coming up here. Sorry. It's slowly loading. Um, here we go. What happens with the Heisman? Uh, do they wait until spring? Uh, not awarded one this year. Give it to Reggie. <laughs> uh, I'm a Heisman voter. That's an interesting question. We have not heard, uh, anything uh, about that. We'll see, you know, I, like I said, this is the limbo time and we need limbo to end. Either limbo ends by like the ACC kicks off, uh, whatever the second week of September. I think there's actually one game on September 5th. If college football either starts or they cancel the rest of the, the games and, and postpone them. So if it's half a season, do they wait or if do they wait to award the Heisman until after the spring? If the big, if the big 10 and Pac 12 play, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, the Heisman Trust people have to come up with that. It's not an NCAA thing. It's just there's a Heisman Trust, and they're the ones that award, the, you know, give the award out. So uh, I I don't know. And another factor that could play into this is the Heisman's normally, you know, the Heisman Trust and the Heisman uh, pre- presentation is normally held in New York City, yeah. and you're bringing all these older players who may be, you know, in the demographic that are more susceptible to COVID nineteen. So depending on where New York City's at at the time, or you know what is going on there may play into those type of discussions uh, of whether, because they want to have that presentation 
you know, all the hoopla, that's what, you know, that's what those organizations are all about. The ones that actually present the trophies, they want to have that. There's a lot of money raised at those events and stuff, charity and different things like that. Uh, they have sign, you know, signings and a bunch of other stuff. They take the you know, finalists out on New York City and they do a bunch of different things that also help raise money for the fund and that, you know, the notoriety that comes with from that Heisman Trust uh, organization. So there's a lot of things that will go into it. So they may, you know, if if they think that they could push it back and, you know, they could use the excuse, well, you know, these three conferences play, but we want to wait and see everyone play first. If they think that, you know, in the spring or summer or whatever, when the season would be completed for everyone, that they could then present it and it would be safer and they could then get all the Heisman, you know, former Heisman winners back together. I think they would, that would be something they'd really consider too. That would be an interesting wrinkle for voting because I feel like we always argue that they don't really see games like past the the west (laughs) of the Mississippi. So what happens if you can like equally see all the games? Does that impact voting at all? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like if Christian McCaffrey was like going off, that's what I was thinking, uh, you know, uh, and you only watched his games and the big 12 games. Now, I mean the big 10 games and you're like, yeah, he might, uh, he might deserve it. So, but like all that stuff, all American lists, like, how do you, how do you incorporate all that? Um, you know, I think with the big 10 and the PAC 12 out of the picture, if they end up playing a season in the fall and those conferences still plan to play a season, if, if they play a season in the fall, it, I think it makes it more likely that it's feasible you could play in the spring, you know, and you get some sort of season, but it might be a really short one. It might be six games just to get these players, uh, you know, some, some time and basically a set, you know, replacing spring football, um, you know, do they wait? And, but could you really say like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Almond Ross St. Brown, if he ends up playing, he could be an all American. He had, uh, you know, 75 catches in a six game season and, and six touchdowns. Like you compare that to someone that had a 12 game season or whatever, yeah. like it's, it's going to be complicated. So yeah, we don't know yeah. at this point, but the Heisman's separate than the NCAA. So they'll come up with their own decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the biggest thing is there's never been a split season that like <laughs> is being proposed. So there's no real precedent to look at. You know, even when there were, you know, whether it was World War One, World War Two, and things were limited in certain areas, you still were all playing at the same time. You know, so you would just judge on, you know, if one team gets ten games and one team gets five games, you judge on, you know, the the time that's played. However, the the splitting of the schedule that adds a new wrinkle to how these lists will be done. You could even see, you know, you see in like track and field, and I know it's a, it's a it's a stretch on this analogy, but you have indoor and outdoor you know, championships. So you have indoor and outdoor all Americans, maybe you have fall and spring all Americans. So ah. you can split it up and, and do it a little bit differently. And maybe that, that lessens it a little bit because you have less people vying for those positions, but maybe that's something they do. And they, instead of having a first team and second team, you just have a first team. So I don't know. There's some different ways you can go about it. And a lot of these, and those are just kind of frivolous things, you know, being an all American doesn't actually get you anything. Being a Heisman does, you know, you get to go that that every year. You get, uh, you know, you get money from it, the PR from it every year. So, uh, I, I think it's a lot different. But you know, obviously, everybody wants to be on those lists. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. We got another YouTube question from Dixie Cups. Cool name. Uh, since there won't be preseason NFL games this year, there will be a ton of players trying to make NFL rosters next year. And yeah, that's one thing I've heard. Without the preseason games. Those are opportunities for these players that are trying to make teams 
to show what they can do. So it's going that, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys that, uh, you know, are, are trying to make a team. Now there's players opting out. So maybe there's more spots open on rosters too, but those were those, those preseason games. Everyone says suck for the, the players that are like in the, you know, number 60 to 70 to 80 on the roster. That's their opportunity to show what they can do. Maybe it's a big special teams play, you know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, they don't have that opportunity now. Yeah. I mean, I follow a lot of a uh, former NFL player turned analysts on Twitter and their immediate reaction to no preseason games. They just felt so bad for those fringe players because they know how important those preseason games are and, and how much experience and maybe more eyes you and get in front of more eyes and more coaches uh, can see what you can do. So they felt bad for, for those French players, and by proxy, I do too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those are the guys that can make their mark in, in special, on special teams and stuff and show that they are capable of playing. Um, you know, those are your undersized guys that are, are trying to make a roster. Those are the guys you, you really root for and stuff, and some of the more interesting uh, roster battles. But also guys like Malcolm Smith was signed today by the Cleveland Browns. You know, he bounced around last year, you know, after getting cut by the the Niners. He bounced around last year. Is he able to show what he can do in training camp enough to be able to make that roster? He's on the 80-man roster right now, but when those get shrink down to 53, um, has he shown enough? And that's hard to do when you're with a new team, you know, when you haven't mm-hmm. had an opportunity. So if you're a guy that's coming in trying to make a roster, you feel bad, too, for the undrafted free agents. You know, the guys, yeah. you know, that – that one haven't even been signed because there's been so limited. Though so guys like Christian Rector will even get a shot, or Drew Richmond, you know, those are guys we've been kind of tracking to see if they do get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you know, those rosters are short, are smaller just to begin with in training camp this year. Um, so you don't even, you know, you can't get that opportunity. Well, he did really well. Let's keep an eye on him. We'll track him a little while uh, and see where he's at next year. And then, and they tell you some things to work on, and maybe that helps you out. Those type of guys, the undrafted free agents like Olawale Batiku, you know, he was already has already been cut uh, by the Giants. You know, it's been really quick how those things have happened. So it's really tough to prove yourself if they don't have money invested in you already, which is what happens with undrafted free agents. So it, you're rooting and hoping for those guys to get as much of an opportunity as they can. But that's one of the, the real troubles this year for the NFL. And you're going to see a lot of unproven guys, you know, not get their chance. And then if there are injuries, who are they going to turn to? you're going to turn into retreads rather than guys that haven't had a shot yet. You're going to have yeah. guys that have a little bit more tape in the NFL than new guys. Yeah. It also makes you wonder the quality of play we're going to see in the first couple of games, because like those preseason games do matter at some point, like getting full contact against someone that's not your own team. It'll be interesting to see the the quality <laughs> we see. Yeah. Malcolm Smith, former uh, Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so at least he has some tape already. People know like what he did in the past, but yeah, all those guys that, are unproven. You don't get the Cinderella stories, the Sophia Popovs. You're not going to get that kind of stuff because basically they're like, they're not taking chances on dudes. You know, if there's a scout that says, Hey, this guy's great. And then they get him in camp and like, Oh yeah, he looks pretty good. And then he makes some plays in preseason games. You're like, all right, you know, we're willing to take a chance. Now you're just listening to what one dude said and you know, it's some limited tape and it's just not, it's not, it's going to be a lot more difficult uh, for these teams, but Maybe the XFL comes back with uh, The Rock, you know, owning that thing now, and they get some more opportunities there. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. The the counterpoint to play devil's advocate to my own point. Um, <laughs> Classic. Argue with yourself. Is that and Keely knows I can do this. Yeah. Um, is that you may be like the MLB, and because there have been 
so many COVID positive tests that has opened up. There's been more uh, guys making their debuts this year uh, because of one, there's been way more injuries in the MLB uh, than there has in the past, but that's opened up the opportunity. So there's been a number of guys, you know, obviously I cover the West coast. There's been a number of West coast guys that have made their debuts recently. So, you know, you have a situation like the Marlins had where, you know, they basically had to redo their entire roster for a couple of weeks because of their, the positive test they had. Um, they called up a bunch of young guys. So if, if you have an outbreak with a team, are you going to go and you have, I think it's what, uh, eight guys on a practice squad, if I remember correctly. I can't remember the number, but that are on a normal practice squad. And you have 15 guys have an outbreak on a team. Where are you going to get some extra guy, extra bodies to bring in? That's going to be a big question. So maybe some of those guys get an opportunity then. But, it's again, I think it's going to be harder if you haven't proven yourself at all in the NFL. And even a guy like Malcolm Smith, who's, who was coming off an injury and why he was cut by the San Francisco 49ers, you haven't seen much tape of him since he's come back from an injury. And that's a case for a lot of guys that are retreads that's, you know, how are they now uh, versus what they were a couple of years ago? Yeah. Just remind everyone, if you want to call in, you can do that too. 5124-TUNNEL uh, is the number, but I'll bring up some uh, more questions. And we got a bunch of YouTube ones. Keel, are you pointing at things? or what are I was like? pointing at the number on the corner. Of the oh, street. nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to hype you up. <laughs> Nice. Hype it up. Yeah. Uh, and poorly you end up pointing at shotgun's beard. So, um, I, know. I, I, I can put you on the full screen and you can point it easier, but okay. anyway, uh, Oscar wants to know, can you see more than one player that most people expect to leave for the NFL return to play next year? So any guys you think, I mean, I think there could be some guys we don't even think about that could end up opting out, but just for like, maybe not even for the NFL, just be like, yeah, I'm done. Or, um, anyone you think that, could have opt out that that might stick around. Hmm. I mean, Talano Hufunga is a guy that, you know, has some tape and is very talented and you think, Oh, that's an NFL guy. But there's, there's a, when you start thinking about it a little bit deeper, he doesn't have that much tape actually because of the injuries they sustained. So you would like to see him do a little bit more. There's certain things that NFL scouts are looking for him to do a little bit more of. So he's a guy that you might say, well, he's really talented. He's a five-star guy. We know that he makes a lot of plays when he's in there, but NFL scouts still want to see some other things from him. So he's a guy that kind of pops to mind uh, just coming off that question. Random guy who uh, is like, oh, he okay, he's leaving early, and then it doesn't always work out for the best, and that's in normal circumstances. So I think you have to apply that same mindset to this. There's always going to be that random straggler guy who you don't expect that's going to leave, or who you who's going to stay. You know, it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see. I think it's based on whether or not they feel like they've proven themselves. Because sometimes guys have a different view of themselves maybe than other scouts or maybe the general public does. So it's interesting about how much their own uh, gusto, if you will, plays into this. And, I mean, like I said, there's no guarantees. that We don't know if there's going to be a spring season. So if they're feeling like they have a better shot training on their own, then it, it, they might just do that on their own. So, like I said, this is a weird year, and we got to see. It is a weird year. And there's still the the potential that you could have something like the the Schooler brothers from you know from Mission Viejo that were at Arizona grad transfers. So they wanted to play this fall. You know, Colin Schooler has been their leading tackler for for two and a half or two years, and you know was their second leading tackler as a freshman, three years starter. You know, huge guy in the Miller defense, especially when they just lost Tony Fields from Arizona. So they're two star linebackers in the middle of that defense. 
Uh, both decided to go elsewhere. Tony Fields transferred to, to Minnesota, I believe. But uh, Schooler said, and he and his brother both, who his brother just uh, had grad transferred in, in January from Oregon, but said, we want to play in the fall. And so we're gonna we're looking for an opportunity elsewhere. Could you see that from a USC player? That's still a possibility too. You can see someone, uh, if you read the war room, I had a list of the guys that have graduated or at least walked in the graduation ceremonies. So they're all eligible to, to potentially transfer if they wanted to. And that includes guys like Elijah Vera Tucker. That would be a big piece if USC is to lose, loses an offensive lineman, whether it be if Elijah Vera Tucker goes to the NFL or opts to go to the NFL and sit out or decides to do some a transfer like that, that's going to be a big, you know, the, the offensive line becomes even a bigger of a question mark, and it already is a big one for them. Yeah. Yep. Here's a Facebook question. Uh, how does all of this affect the Bulls? Again, those are all independent entities too, and uh, we don't know. So, so Coley had an uh, interesting question. He said, as both the Pac-12 and Big Ten are going to play in the early spring, or that's the plans at least, has there been, had any, has there been any talk of having the Rose Bowl in April or May? And, you know, that's a, a great idea. That, that's something because of the, the conference affiliations with, with certain games, you may see some bowl games make it work some other way. You know, the Mountain West is not playing right now either, so does that mean the Las Vegas Bowl is, it happens in – you know, in, in, Mar- in April or May or something like that, it's a possibility because those bowl games, obviously they still want to have their, you know, uh, host their event and everything. So if the two conferences are on the same schedule, I think that's something you'll see where they move that. And I think the NCAA will allow that to happen as well. The big question becomes, you know, games like the Sun Bowl where you have, you know, the Pac-12 versus the ACC. And if you're on different schedules, what happens there? You know, are, are the bowls going to be held to those conference affiliations, or and and vice versa? I think those are the, the question marks. Yeah. Um, we had another Facebook comment. Uh, did I hear correctly? Is an athlete getting additional eligibility even if they play this fall? I.e., ACC, SEC players get a free fifth year if desired. Yeah. So we we sort of glanced over that a little bit. Um, I asked the source and they were like, yeah, they don't want to touch this. Like, so, I mean, I think it would make it too complicated to say you get an extra year and you don't. So they just did it across the board, but I don't know. I mean, that's, if you want to talk about like, there's like whatever unfair things going on as far as like teams that can practice and teams that can and whatever, but I don't know. Does that, does that screw up the competitive balance in college football? Do you guys opinion? I mean, it's going to depend on, what they do on the other end of it, you know, with the freshmen coming in, how many you allow to come in. But otherwise, I mean, if it's straight across the board, everyone gets that extra year, which is what they did in the spring for, you know, for sports like baseball, everyone's allowed to have that extra year. Then, you know, it's, it's still, it seems pretty, uh, you know, even level, uh, even and level across the board to me, if you do that. Now, the question is if you have 20 seniors coming back, do you allow them still to have an extra 25 spots or whatever, you know, uh, signing spots. I think that's where you're going to get into it. And that's the big question is on the other end is the total number of scholarships versus um, the, how many people are coming back. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting just to see the ripple effects of like people's experience, because I mean, it's, it's just not fair in the sense that there are still players across the country that are still practicing, getting contact practice. Now we don't know if they're going to play still, there's still some time for, for, people and those involved making the decisions to, to turn course or make a U-turn. Uh, but 
it is different. They are going to have more experience just in the fact that they're touching footballs right now than uh, Pac-12, who's not. Yeah. Uh, There's going to be a big question, too, about playing time. We've seen how many players have transferred since the NCAA transfer portal has, you know, since they initiated that. It's going to just, it's going to skyrocket if you have players, well, that fifth year senior is coming back. And I thought that I would, that I was going to be moving into that spot next year. I'm going to go look for somewhere else where I'm going to get playing time. I was expecting this to happen. And this is the same thing. You might see some changes in, uh, in some recruitment commitments and stuff because you're like, well, I thought, you know, I thought this guy was leaving and now he's coming back and that's going to be an extra year where I'm sitting behind somebody that may change some things for teams. Yeah. Um, Get back at to this. Uh, this is a Facebook question. Will there be renewed efforts to poach USC coaches like Harrell if there is no spring season? Mm-hmm. You think there will be? Even yeah. if there is a spring season. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think if, if someone comes off a terrible NFL season saying they play out their season and, you know, they look around and he was a name that was on their board before, it's going to be harder for him to prove himself more than where he was last year but maybe someone was already in love with them last year and they gave a coach an extra year. Like, all right, we'll see if we can make this work. And, and they decide to go, they're looking for that offensive mind. You know, it's a possibility that he's uh, approached again. So whether it be as a head coach or an office coordinator now, well, how does he view it? That's a big question. But if you throw enough money at somebody, they'll come. Mm-hmm. Well, we saw after uh, we had a little break in December when we came back after the the Eagles rumors with Harold, he you could see how that was a, something that he really had to think about. And so, if that was back in 2019, if he gets another great offer, I mean, who's to say that he won't do it again or at least contemplate it again? So, I, there's I think with Harold, there's always an opportunity that he's going to get poached. I think the only person maybe you can worry about else on the roster is uh dante williams but other than that i think your main worry is is graham harrell yeah and I, there, we had a question on the podcast of champions about could like say the college football season canceled could like bill belichick hire like nick saban to come over like with the nfl try to poach some college guys as temporary fixes and stuff too it's like i i don't think that happens you have so you're bu- so busy in the offseason with uh college football but the, the NFL could put, you know, if the NFL goes forward, they could poach some of these coaches too. It's, it seems like anyone that's going forward, they have their staff now. Um, and who knows, maybe work in reverse. If the, the SEC, you know, their season ends and the Pac 12 or Big 10 could go along and try to poach some of their coaches too. But, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, uh, changing the timeline does change. There's a lot of options out there and I think it could happen either way. Basically, it's pure chaos. <laughs> pure chaos, and that's that's what we're here for. We uh... <laughs> maximum chaos. Yeah, uh, Mark had a question. Uh, when do seniors stop counting against the scholarship limit? Doesn't USC need uh, to be needed to be the end of fall to be able to bring in early enrollees? Yes, and that's the the big thing. Is normally your seniors, you, you basically they finish their their uh, semester. And they're kind of pushed out off scholarship so you can bring in um, freshmen as early enrollees. A lot of guys, obviously, with summer, I mean, spring and summer, I mean, summer classes. And, you know, if they're fifth year guys, then they have that extra time. So they'll finish up. They'll schedule it out so that they will finish up at the end of December. You push those guys off the books and then now you can bring in freshmen. So that is a question and a a concern is are early enrollees going to be able to come, uh, you know, or, 
you know, if USC has, I think they have, I think we have them at like three spots right now. Don't quote me on that one, but if they only have three spots going into the spring, do you go, okay, well we can bring in three early enrollees. We got six, which three do we want to bring in? You got to tell three other guys. And ah, sorry guys, you got to wait till the, the summer when we get some other guys off the books. That's going to be a big question. And that could potentially, we've seen this before, where some guys want an early enrollee and there ends up not being a spot, and then they the the player will transfer somewhere or will uh, flip their commitment to somewhere else. Kylie Fitz, I believe, was one of those that did that, flipping from USC to Utah first and then UCLA or UCLA to Utah, one of those. He was yeah. all over the place. He ended up three um, places, right? Yeah. Yeah, but he, I think it was him that wanted to come in early, and because uh, one player, one USC player didn't finish their work, they had extra class or something happened, so they couldn't push him off the books scholarship wise, um, and had to you know finish that out. Then they wanted to start as they wanted to be an early enrollee, and USC didn't have that room anymore. No, and that's why on the December early enrollee presser with Clay Helton, he can't give us a full uh, uh, idea of what the final class will look like because they're still trying to work out okay who's going to leave early, who's going to be off the book, etc. So yeah. that's why you have to wait till February. A lot of comments in there about can. Can uh, some teams poach Clay Helton? So I don't know if that's a lot of the comments, but a lot of people. As we, as we said, Graham Harrell is probably the, and maybe Dante Williams are the two maybe. coaches yeah. That, yeah. that would be. Considering Clay's making like $5 million a year, that would be an expensive poach too. Um, we got a caller. You want to go oh. to, uh, yeah, why don't we pull up? Uh, looks like it's our buddy, uh, Coley from Iowa. Coley, you are on the line. How are you, sir? I'm doing tremendous. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, if I may, I just uh, wanted to ask the three of you, obviously, uh, with um, USC waiting until spring to play football. And if football is going to be played, like, is there a team you guys are just going to kind of watch more than another team? And obviously, it probably should be, you know, whoever's playing Notre Dame. But is there like an underdog you might be rooting for, maybe out of the Sun Belt, or are you going to stick with the traditional power? What what team, just out of my curiosity, are uh, are, are one of you uh, looking at this year's season or this fall season? Interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks for the uh, the call, Coley. So I'll go back to the podcast of Champions. We were talking. We're going to still do our show. It's a Pac-12 show. Um, you can check it out in Podcast of Champions, uh, Pac-12podcast.com. Um, and we were saying like, well, we should probably just follow like an ACC team or something like me and Dave pick one and we'll follow it along. And one of our funny uh, emailers, one of our listeners wrote in, uh, he thought Dave should go to Georgia Tech and gave reasons. But for me, he said, Ryan, you're Pittsburgh, you're Western Pennsylvania guy, hard worker, unapologetic, union busting, free market capitalist. You are the face <laughs> of traditional conservative conservatism. You're the model of consistency. The, the Curtis Martin of podcast hosts. You put your nose down and do your job. We take you for granted at some point while you're not paying attention. You've put up 14,000 yards, three yards at a time, straight up the middle. Just play it straight up the fairway like the 2018 Pittsburgh team that won their division and finished seven and seven. And he says, holy shit, the ACC sucks so bad. Um, so he's, he's really funny. So anyway, so I probably, according to Shane, I should adopt Pittsburgh. I'm actually from Western Pennsylvania. So that wouldn't be too big of a, uh, a stretch, but I don't know. We could pick a team and follow them and, and, you know, see what they do. I don't know. Um, see, I'm going to go first. Just to steal this thanks for answering my question. Uh, best of luck. Stay healthy. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. 
fine. To steal this from Shaka before he answers, I would probably pick the Georgia Bulldogs just because that was the first college football team I ever started watching because my dad's a fan. But, you know, I think if there actually is college football, I will just take all of it, maximum, as much as I can, flipping on my iPad, everything. So I don't think I'll adopt maybe a team per se, but I will just watch it all. <laughs> I'll be watching uh, NC State. Um and that's because there's two former Trojans there, uh, Carrie Angeline and Levi Jones. And also Georgia because JT Daniels is there. So that'll be interesting, especially if there is a quarterback battle and if there's some back and forth there, that'll be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, I'll be watching the, the former USC players more than anything. And I'll be watching more Atlanta Braves and Atlanta Hawks and Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Ron bad Majors, day, bad Ron day Majors. for Atlanta today. Yeah, Ron Major wrote he's going to watch for JT. Yeah, so you, so you want to watch? I mean, he's not. I believe he wasn't cleared though. Uh, he's not yeah. fully cleared yet, so it's going to be a little more difficult for him to uh, to win that job. Oh, let me uh, clear our little live caller thing. Thanks, uh, Coley, for calling in there. Um, yeah, but like, there's been enough players transferring out now. If Illinois was around, that would be a good one you could watch, but they're not. <laughs> you know, uh, that one's not going to happen. But heck, JT Daniels. That would have been uh, fun to watch what he would do at Georgia. I mean, him with a playoff caliber roster, I think that would have been uh, really fun. But apparently, he's not fully participating yet, which was one of the concerns I think going in, right? Like that, yeah. you know, come, recovering from knee surgery is not a, it's no, it's no uh, small feat you have to do. But you never know with, with the potential of injuries and stuff. Once he does get cleared, if he jumps into that to the front of that competition or what, what happens there. So that would, that would be an interesting one to watch. I mean, the SEC's always uh, got plenty of storylines going through them. South Carolina as well um, with Ryan Helinski from uh, Orange Lutheran, who was Kyle Ford and Ethan Ray's quarterback. Obviously a great story with him uh, and his brother and everything, playing for his brother. So he, he's always fun to watch. And, and so there, there's plenty of storylines to pay attention to if there is if we do get some football this, this fall. Here we talk about chaos. Um, White Knight, I believe the state of Ohio just said the high schools will be allowed to play football this year, while Ohio State will not. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. You're watching pr- tape from SEC or ACC campuses, and they're like getting ready for games right now. And if you live in Los Angeles you can't share the same football or lift a weight inside. Like there's, I mean, it's just, it could, you can't gather in groups more than 12 people. Like it couldn't be any different. Like, you you know, for what you could do here in LA to what they're doing in the South and even the state of Ohio, high schools are okay, but Ohio state isn't like, it's, it's just nuts. You don't even have to go all the way to Ohio. I mean, just go a couple States over to Utah, Utah, high school is allowed to play Utah football is not. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. What's up? Do you guys have any uh, rapid fire ones? How are we doing on that? So let me, uh, I'll try to pull up another one, but is there any uh, rapid fire ones you guys want to go through? Uh, early in the, in the show, we had uh, uh, Dakers asked, does this non-season season, what kind of effect does it have on Clay Helton's future? Which is a question we get pretty much every week. And Ryan, you succinctly answered it last week. So I'm going to give it right back to you. As, <laughs> as far as what? Like the. Just it, on his future at USC. Yeah. Um, you know, quick recap here. Like I just mentioned, he's making about $5 million right now. We know from 2018, he was making 4.6. Usually those contracts, there's some kind of escalator there and, you know, he'll get bumped up a 200 K or something a year, probably. So, you know, in the 5 million range for this year, but 
going through to 20, the 2023 season, um, it costs a lot of money to buy out that kind of a contract. And it's not just the money left on his deal. There's also, uh, you know, basically you're adding a third for the benefits that he would have been paid out that you have to pay out when you're buying out a contract and the coaches, the assistant coaches and things like that. So without a season, yes, there's no way that you're going to be getting rid, uh, getting rid of your head coach, uh, at this time. USC, there's, there's all the financial issues that these athletic departments are dealing with 60, 70, $80 million deficits. Uh, it'll be significant and trying to add another, $25, $30 million bill on top of that. And you're like, oh, you think a booster wants to just write you a check for $30 million that you flush down the toilet to get rid of your coach? Like, no, it's just not something that's feasible uh, right now. Uh, if you're not a Clay Helton fan, I, I think they would have been a really good team in 2020. And maybe you get to see some semblance of that in in uh, in January or February. I'm not sure. We'll, we don't know. But it was going to be a really good team. Now, you already know JT Feli's out. If you lose some of the other top seniors and things, and it's going to be more difficult. I don't think it's going to be as talented of a team in 2021. Uh, they had some real opportunities to prove themselves against top teams. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Alabama, Notre Dame, things like that, or any other, you know, the, the games right now. Um, so yeah, don't expect any kind of change anytime soon. Uh, with Clay Helton, it's not a great contract. That's not Mike Bone's fault. Um, it was signed before he got there. Didn't seem like a, a smart move on USC's part, but that's what they're dealing with right now. So Clay is going to be the head coach, at least for the next year. I mean, I don't, I don't see anything happening until most likely after the 2021 season, if if then at all. And that's maybe we had a similar question from Bakers. Uh, will there be more or less scrutiny on Helton when USC finally does play football? I like that. I think there's going to be more. Uh, I think he's not going to get less scrutiny. Um, this was a season that people expected, Hey, you still have the best roster. You should have won, uh, the PAC 12. If they play the spring, I think it's expected he wins the, you know, maybe they just play the South and he gets to play a championship game. I think they expect him to, to win those games. So I, I think the scrutiny is, I don't think he's going to get a pass because, uh, it's COVID. I mean, they, they still have the most talent. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it, it gets easier for him just because, this season's been all weird. I don't think he gets a pass because of that. I think he gets a pass because the the contract is so bad. Uh, it's just, there's no, there's no logical way to get out of it at this point. Uh, even if he went out and had a really horrible 2020 season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, the, there's going to be more pressure just because people are so excited to see football. And if they see a bad product, then that's going to make them even more upset. Um, I, I think you get like a, a brief uh, honeymoon period for the first like couple weeks of the season uh, because people are just excited to have football back, but then it will get back right back to where it's been for USC. Yeah. Basically like me with the angels. I was so excited. And then I'm like, get the season <laughs> over with. It's over. It's done. <laughs> yeah. What happened? The key eight and 20 guys <laughs> or nine and 20 after today. It's ridiculous. It's horrible. They should have hired it. a really good manager, right? Like would, would that have helped or Wow, oh, what a face. <laughs> oh, guys, baseball was all that I had, and it's <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's okay. The Braves are in first place. This is for you, Shotgun. Stephen Carr? Um, what is the <laughs> question about? Does he Maybe. exist? Is he going to leave? I don't know. Like, just, you he know, I, he's, always predicted. <laughs> he's got to he's play. He's got to get more solid tape before he can take off. Um, if he were to take off, he's not getting signed by anybody at this moment, I don't think. 
Uh, Kevin Stewart said, any update on how USC will handle football or all sports ticket refunds? I don't know if you guys have heard anything about that. I have not. I know a couple of schools have suggested to, um, I think this is in the Big Ten, like, hey, you see these deficits we have. How about you just turn your season tickets into a donation? So, I, but I haven't heard any word exactly on refunds for USC's tickets. Yeah. And some, a lot of places are doing like, instead of refunds, like it's just delayed to the next season and you're sort of like prepaid for that or they're doing whatever they can. But I know I haven't heard specifically uh, about that. Um, Trek Ranger, leave it to Ryan to give us such terrible news. I didn't make it up. Like we're like this, is, and this is something that this came up on the Peristyle. So make sure if you're not a subscriber to uscfootball.com, you should be. The Peristyle is where we put all this great information in the war rooms, and we sort of put this piecemeal of what you know as we put together. USC is a private school, so we didn't know. You know, it's hard to know the exact nature of his you know contract because it's a private school. They don't have to release you know until the tax returns and stuff come out a couple of years later. That was the latest news. I think the LA Times put it in there that he was making 4.6 million for that year. So you learned one thing that not only did he get, we, we found out about the, the fully guaranteed extension. Uh, we found out about the, and we put all this stuff in our war room uh, about the benefits you have to pay on top of it. Um, that's why there's, you know, if it's $20 million left, you have to add a third, uh, you know, which is crazy. Like hey, another 6 million or whatever, like that's crazy. Um, but, Learning that also that the the raise was there where I didn't understand that right away. So like a 40% raise on top of it, it just showed uh, the initial numbers we thought of like it was costing 15 million to buy out Helton a couple years ago. We thought that was way too high and that was way too low for what it actually was. So I'm sorry to tell you that like it's not I didn't make that up. I'm not saying like, ha ha ha, this is what's happening. I'm just telling you that's the facts about what's going on here. And and with COVID stuff, it just makes it almost impossible uh, for that time. I mean, he said that extension in February of 2018. Lin Swan, you know, just obviously terrible decision. Um, and they go five and seven, like, you know, six months later. Like, how do you – and, and people, everyone wanted him to fire him at that point. You couldn't fire him. They, we didn't understand the kind of money that they had been talking about to fire him after that season. And that's part of the reason why I don't think we ever heard from Lin Swan because he, he knew he's much, he made such a bad decision – uh, and there really was no way to fix it because they gave him that fully guaranteed money. Yeah. Another question dealing with money a little bit. Uh, Coley asked, because the Pac-12 is playing conference games only, as USC had to pay out non-conference teams because of the cancellation? I know that was something – I don't know if you guys have heard anything. I know that was something that was discussed initially because some of those schools that were FCS schools that need that money are like, uh, yeah, we're going to – they're going to have to pay us to get out of this contract. You know, If they were still playing, that was the – initial word on that but i haven't heard really much about that lately um so because it's gone to all conferences are basically going conference only except for that one i don't know how that's kind of you know is shifting out but because i think the acc and maybe the big 12 are the only ones that are playing an extra game that's non-conference whereas everybody else is in conference so uh but i'm sure those smaller schools are gonna you know push that to the courts at least and say hey um you guys need to to pay up if possible yeah We'll see what happens there. Uh, Truck Ranger again, have they fixed the parking? Um, so I don't know if the COVID stuff has delayed some of the construction around the Coliseum, but that Lucas Museum was going up there. Um, this, the 2019 season, 
parking was better. One of those lots uh, under the, the museum was open, and that's where, like us, we were parking as media. Um, but the the museum was supposed to be finished, I think, for the 2020 season. I haven't gone back over at the sea, but it should be about where everything is. I think after, you know, at some point this year, I think that's where it was supposed to be. Where this is, I don't know about fix the parking, but most of the parking around the Coliseum now is donor based um you have to you know it's prepaid stuff it's not like there's lots that you can pull up in but the 20 i think it was 2018 was the one that was really bad right where we had temporary press boxes but also um you know parking was pretty crappy but parking got better uh the next year so or maybe it was the year before that but yeah there was one year where the parking was bad and all the construction stuff was going on then it got a little bit better and then this year i think it was supposed to be even better from what the that was the presentation i got like two years ago from what i remember yeah, parking parking's never fun around any oh, yeah. any large sporting event. No, but no. It's probably the last thing you want to worry about too right now is parking because <laughs> yeah. you, you can't go anywhere. Can, go the thing is, you can park at the stadiums right now, no problems, because there's no <laughs> games going on. There's no fans allowed. I think you can get a pretty good parking spot right now. Yeah, okay. um, we got another one. This one is from a uh, new zoo guru. I'll pull it up. Shotgun, does Graham Harrell get offered the Texas job if Tom Herman is fired? Yeah, definitely. You think he does? Yeah. So, now, okay, here- now the question, now if, if he were to get fired, that's the thing. That's mm-hmm. the big part of the, this, uh, this entire sentence that or question that is, is, is the part that's probably more debatable than if Graham Harrell gets the offer is because everyone is going through these budget crunches just like Ryan just talked about with the potential of Clay Helton's contract is the same thing anyone's going to go through unless that contract is expiring and you're just deciding not to renew, which doesn't happen almost ever in college football. It's going to be hard to, to justify saying, Hey, yeah, everyone around us, you know, all these businesses are losing money, all the oil magnets and stuff in Texas, uh, we're losing money in our businesses. But yeah, we'll pay a bunch of money to help you for that buyout. Yeah, that's that's the hard part to see happening. Now, if Graham Harrell, if if Texas did fire Tom Herman, though, you know, say it was for cause or whatever, for whatever reason, then yeah, I think Graham Harrell's a guy they would go after and he'd probably get offered. I mean, wasn't his name mentioned in the offseason or around December-ish about offensive coordinator, I believe? Or maybe even – his name was in the Texas realm, and I know our, our sister site. Uh, he interviewed – yeah, Any interview yeah. for the job? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so if he's already been in, around there, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And the question that kind of came up before about the poachings, I think this is a great example where, say, spring football is happening, and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are getting ready to do it. They announce a schedule. There's going to be eight conference games and like you know a mini playoff to win the conference championship and the two champions of each league are going to go to the Rose Bowl. It's going to be played in like May or late April or something like that. All right. So that kind of takes the place of spring football. Then you get the time off and you start like a, a you know, whatever, a modified fall schedule after that. Like maybe it's conference only or whatever, but you get this full thing going, you're ready to go. USC's psyched. Like most of the guys end up staying. Everything's ready. You got the Graham Harrell offense. They're going to look awesome. And then in the big 12, you know, Iowa State beats Texas and Kansas beats Texas uh, and they fire Tom Herman. And 
they call Graham Harrell. So USC is about to start their college football season with all this hype around, hey, we're right. We're finally, we're ready. And Graham Harrell leaves and he goes and becomes the Texas head coach. Um, stuff like that could happen. I think that would be very, you know, so that would be, and that, what do you do if you're USC? You're starting your like season in January or February and you've studied this offense for the last two years or whatever. And now Graham Harrell's gone. Go ahead, Keely. No, I was just going to say, worst case scenario, you have Mike Jinx take over because he's familiar with Air Raid and they've been kind of sympathetical on that. Uh, but I mean, from a Graham Harrell standpoint, would you want to be waiting this long and then sign yourself up for another offseason? I mean, if you want to be a head coach, sure. But I mean, I, I feel like Graham Harrell, if you know you have Keaton Slovis, if you believe in what you have right now, which seemed like when we heard him speak after he did the round of interviews the first time, it sounded like he really believed in what he has going. So why would you leave right before you waiting this whole time? I guess it depends on how much he would want a head coaching job at the college level rather than maybe moving up to the pros where I think it's a different scenario for him. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it comes back to, it's going to be hard to see many head coaches be fired. I mean, that's been yeah. the, the case in the, uh, you know, in the spring sports, baseball, there was very few coaches that were fired. I don't think you're going to see that much with football either. Even if the outcomes, like it would have to be really, really terrible. And you have a really powerful donor potentially that is really, you know, really invested. You know, you have to have a boom pickings type that wants to make some kind of uh, change um, because just the money that everyone is going through financial hardships pretty much around. So yeah. you would have to have one of those, you know, ultra billionaires, the, the few people that are making money right now, you'd have to have one of those uh, be willing to, to foot the bill. Now you may see a little bit more movement and, and like, you know, you guys talked about with the split schedule with coordinators though. Because those are usually, or position coaches, because those are usually one or two year contracts, a lot less uh, to pay out if there is a buyout. Um, so maybe, you know, if you have a, a big school, you have an, uh, a Florida or something or Alabama, you know, uh, an NFL team comes and grabs their coordinator and suddenly uh, Sarkeesian's back in the NFL, they come to a Pac 12 or a Big 10 school looking for an offense coordinator. Maybe you see some changes there and you might have to see some of those, you know, a spring schedule team, you know, trying to, figure it out on the fly right before the season begins. Yeah. Uh, we had a question for you, Shotgun. What kind of zoom lens do you use? They watch as you in the end zone taking pics all the time. I have a 70 by 200 um, Canon lens. So nothing, <laughs> nothing too expensive there, unfortunately. 200. <laughs> you want the, the 300's a little, you get a little better zoom, right? If you use a 300. But then you have to have a second body to, to take anything close up as well. So it, it, it becomes expensive real quick yeah. <laughs> when you want to make some big upgrades. Nice. All right. Should we uh, wrap it up or do you guys have anything else you want to do, do some rapid fires or you want to like, uh, I have one new zoo guru wanted to know who replaces JT Fele now that he has opted out. The question there becomes, do you stick with, if you have still have three down linemen, like you, you were expected to have in this defense, because the easy answer is if you have last year's defense. You go, Oh, well, Brandon Peely steps in. Yeah. And now you just have Brandon and Marlon. You have two veteran guys. Now, if you have a true three-down lineman front, um, that's where you, you start wondering, okay, is it Caleb Tremblay? Um, do you move Drake Jackson inside? Do you, you know, it, it, there's some options there. Jacob Lichtenstein, if he gets back healthy, the way he had progressed, you know, two years ago, if he's healthy, he could be in that competition as well. Uh, so there's some, some options there. Nick Figueroa as well as a guy who played inside and outside last year. So, 
depending on what you want, there's some some different things that you could do. Yeah. Uh, we got Kelly in the matrix. So this might be a good time, good time to uh, wrap it up. Uh, another shotgun. We good. Uh, there was some, uh, some other questions. Uh, Fatback wanted to know my favorite moonshine brew. Um, <laughs> I guess because of this beard, uh, that obviously I must be brewing sure. some moonshine. Uh, it's definitely the apple pie. Apple pie moonshine is delicious. And uh, I tried that. Yeah. New Zoo uh, also asked, since I look like Moses, give us our, my Ten Commandments. I'll just go just one, just one. The left lane when you're driving is the passing lane. It's not the fast lane, it's the passing lane. If you're not passing someone, get out of the left lane. I like it. I like it. Maybe I'll come up with nine more for a for a uh, for a story here. That's a lot to come up on the fly on a live (laughs) show. Like and then uh, lastly, a hippo did ask uh, hippo cracker asked, didn't Helton and Helton and Infield give money back? Yes, they did give uh, Mm -hmm. a portion of their salary back. Yeah, I think Bone some of the infield were a combined million back. Okay, they combined for a million back. Yeah, yeah. some of the yeah. All right. Well, I think it's going to wrap it up. Uh, good show, guys. Um, you know, sorry we we came back two weeks ago, then we didn't do one last week, but we'll be back. We'll try to do the regular schedule going forward. There should be a little. We're in limbo news every every week, and we'll kind of get a little closer, either closer to the ACC, you know, starting that first game or closer to uh you know some of these campuses like North Carolina and Notre Dame where they had all these cases and if they're going to shut down or not. So far having spike in cases in certain uh you know markets there and certain you know programs hasn't shut things down. We'll see if it does, but I'm I thought it would definitely be shut down. Maybe we'll end with this. They're going to play a season in those conferences guys or not. I I I'm leaning towards yes at this point. Keely, what do you got? I just froze out, so I don't know what Ryan just said. Do you where, think, where you, do you think where, they're going to play? Where is Ryan leaning? I, I think they're going to play. I think they're playing at this point. I think it's going to be really close down to the wire, and some academia president type is going to be like, we can't do this. We're done. And it's going to be one conference, and then once you take out the majority, then it's going to be domino. Yeah. Interesting. I, I think they're pushing ahead. I mean, you know, even though you've had some outbreaks and stuff at campuses, you know, you've had a couple of uh, stoppages for some teams, but there's been no one, no one decide to pull out from, you know, this just isn't working or we've just got to completely, now you've seen some schools go to online learning. There's some big questions there about the, you know, the, the big question has been for a while. If students aren't on campus, is it right for the football players to be playing? But it just seems like they're finding ways to push forward right now. Now, God forbid something bad happens. That's when I think you you could see a big reactionary movement. But as of now, I think everyone's really pushing forward uh, to try to do it. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we know is that everything moves quickly and it can change from one week to the next i feel like that's the only thing we know for sure <laughs> i mean yeah. we we are 13 days away from when the big 10 was supposed to be playing they were supposed to be playing next saturday yeah and the acc is starting you know in a couple of weeks as well like actually starting so i mean there's contact practices happening right now and if we're not seeing huge numbers from that um i thought that would be the biggest risk right i my ten my gut is like Travel, playing another team is not really as risky just because you're not going to be that, you know, constant exposure and viral load. So if you're not getting it 
you know, a bunch of guys having uh, cases in fall camp, I'm not sure they're going to stop it. So we'll see. I mean, but like, like shotgun said, one bad thing could happen. And then it's like, okay, but it, it might take something pretty bad to happen. A whole bunch of cases on, on campuses, frat parties, things like that. That hasn't slowed them down yet. So, uh, the football teams seem to be keeping themselves to themselves and having students not on campus is actually a benefit. You create this mini bubble environment, but they seem to be pushing forward. And I, I I'm not seeing the event right now that's going to derail this train. But I, I mean, I, two weeks ago, I thought for sure that they weren't going to have it, but now I'm like, I don't know. It's not, they're not shutting down yet. Here's the big element to watch. The one thing that hasn't been – now you've added students back in. Obviously, you're having outbreaks at campuses and stuff among the student body, not necessarily as much with the players. There have some been some players test positive as well. The element they still haven't added yet is the travel. Now, when you're traveling from you know Missouri to Georgia, you've got to get on that plane. you got to get on that bus to get to Athens. You know, you've got to stay in a hotel. you got to get your food from somewhere. That's when there's there can be a big concern. Like the MLB teams were doing fine when they were at their home parks and training and stuff. And then as soon as the the game started, you started traveling. That's when there were big issues. So you there, there could still be the potential of you start and two weeks in you decide it's just not working, guys. Yeah. yeah. For Major League yeah. Baseball though, you're traveling constantly. Like this is a once a week thing, right? So, Which is also dumb. I, I went on a rant about this on the Family Feud podcast, but why there are two game sets in MLB? Just they did two games home and then two games away, and did them back to back with the same teams. Just put them all in one city. It doesn't yeah. matter. There's no home field advantage. Yeah, that's great. I find myself thinking about that, like in the NBA, like the Clippers like lost today. I'm like, oh well, they go home for the. Oh wait, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it doesn't. You <laughs> yeah. Know. They got yeah. the home and field and get home court in game five. Like, yeah, who cares? That doesn't really matter. <laughs> I've been really disappointed in the NBA that we haven't heard of a fight breaking out at the hotel since all the players are staying. A lot of the players are staying. The teams are staying at the same hotel. So, yeah, it is funny, though. Um, I believe not the Philly. Who who played Philly today? Uh, the Boston Celtics. Yeah, the Celtics fans in the, the little virtual, they brought up brooms for the suite, which I thought was funny. They're creative. So that at least is good. There's some type of an advantage, I guess. They do have the people like, you know, the, when people are shooting free throws, there's like, so if you don't care about a computer screen where people are going like this when you're shooting a free throw or not, <laughs> I don't know if that, you know, um, whatever. All right. Well, we lost Keely to the Matrix again, so we've probably wrapped things up. <laughs> added, added like 10 minutes to the end of the show just because I forgot the topic we wanted to talk about. So we did, but... <laughs> Um, all right, that's was Keely, your Keely in the Matrix. She's in the Matrix right now. Uh, shotgun Spratling a little further over. I'm Ryan Abraham. Really, really appreciate all you guys tuning in and uh, watching on all the different platforms. And thanks for all the comments and thanks for the call. Hopefully, uh, we'll see you again next week and maybe we'll have some fun things to talk about. Maybe some good USC football news. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But uh, signing off for Keely and Shotgun, I'm Ryan. Thanks so much for watching. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.